Good morning. We're reading from Deuteronomy 5 today, the whole chapter. Moses summoned all Israelites and said, Hear Israel, the decrees and the laws I declare in, the hearing, in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at, at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of a fire on the mountain. At that time I stood between the Lord and you to declare your word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up onto the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in the heavens above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, punishing the children of the punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. You shall not misuse the the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anything guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your town so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with his mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are the commands the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to you, whose assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire, the cloud and the deep darkness, and he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. When you heard the voice out of the when you heard the voice out of the darkness, while the mountain was ablaze with fire, 
all the leaders of your tribe and the elders came, be- came to me. And you said, The Lord our God has shown us glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that, in- that a person can live even if God speaks with them. But now why should we die? This great fire will consume us, and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what mortal, for what mortal has ever heard the voice of the living speaking out of the fire as we have and survived? Go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you, we will listen and obey. The Lord stretched out to you when he spoke to me. The Lord heard when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard what the people said to you. Everything they have said was good. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands, always, so that it might go well with them and with their children forever. Go then, go, tell them to return to their tents. But you stay here with me, that I may give you all the commands, decrees and laws you are to teach them to follow in the land I am giving them to possess. So be careful to do what the Lord your God commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Got sound, have we, Graham? Thank you. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, was there, when you were growing up, did you wish that you had a television or was there a show that perhaps you weren't allowed to watch that you just wished you could? My parents were very strict with television and there was, uh, my grandfather loved to watch Star Trek Next Generation. And I vividly remember going to the hospital and to see him in the early 90s and there on the TV he was watching Star Trek Next Generation uh, and there was Mr. Worf, the, the character there that was dressed up like some sort of crazy alien and I thought this was really fascinating and Dad said to me, don't watch that show, don't watch that. So I sneakily sat where I could, I could see the television and just kept looking up when he wasn't watching. I thought, I really want to watch this show. Um, fast forward a few years when I was old enough to watch it myself, make my own decisions, I became quite the Star Trek fan. And if you're familiar with the series, there's a whole range of different uh, uh, television series over the years and different characters. Now, my all-time favourite character doesn't actually come from that particular television series, but the earlier one, Mr Spock. And you've probably heard of Mr Spock. Well known for his catchphrase, live long and prosper. And he had this ability to contort his hand into a, into a V. Now, I'm, I can't do it. Uh, but it should be up on the screen there. There you go. You can see how it's done. Maybe some of you can... Oh, there we go, Anthea. Fantastic. Thank you. I just end up looking like I'm trying to do a 
a gang sign or something. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. And for me, uh, it's very hard. And I think today's Bible passage is also very hard to perfectly obey. The Ten Commandments, that is. In fact, I'd say it's impossible to perfectly obey them. Now, Mr Spock, he's known for his Vulcan religion with a number of gods. However, I think that Spock has secretly read the Ten Commandments. You see, I think he got his catchphrase from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33, where it says, Obey God, live long and prosper. Now, I'm paraphrasing just a little bit, but check it out. It's a pretty good summary. Interesting, though, that he dropped the, live, the love, sorry, the obey God bit. Just went with live long and prosper. This, of course, is something we can all relate to. We all want to live long and prosper, and we see people everywhere striving to do this. In fact, it saturates our culture. Maybe subconsciously, it's even influencing us. If I asked you what is the first thing you think of when I say think of a successful person, what comes to mind, or who comes to mind? Food for thought. I won't ask anyone to tell us what you're thinking of, but just take that away with you. Well, what if we did a Google search? That seems the catch fire for today. If you want to look up and you want to think of something, what's the answer? Google. Well, I went to Google, I think successful people, and uh, this is what I found. The rich guy, Elon Musk. Uh, I'm not sure if he still is, but he was at one time the world's richest man. Apparently, that's the image you get when you search for a successful person. Or this guy, the guy on top of the world, looks like he's just climbed Mount Everest and completed some amazing feat of human endurance. Messages about how to be healthy, how to be wealthy, and how to be happy and successful are everywhere. But like Mr Spock, our country and its people conveniently drop the obey God bit and just focus on the live long and prosper. How can I get the most out of life and live long and prosper? You could say it's the catchphrase of modern society. So what about us as Christians? Is this the secret to life's big goal that we can offer to the world? Is this how we reach our materialistic society? By offering them what they most desire? If you obey God, you can experience long life, good health and material prosperity. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, there are some churches that will tell you that this is the way to go. But let's get real here. Let's, let's be honest. Unlike Mr Spock and his ability to contort his hand into a big V... None of us have perfectly obeyed the Ten Commandments. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands to confirm this, all right? I'm just going to confidently assert that if we went through them one by one, no one here would pass the pub test on all ten. Sure, there are hopefully no murderers here today, not looking at anyone in particular. (laughs) But seriously, there is a sense in which we tend to look for the bare minimum that we need to do to keep God happy. But actually, Jesus says the opposite. Jesus raised the bar to the max. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, I have not come to abolish the law, including the Ten Commandments, but that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, those who are the most righteous in his day, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to say about murder and adultery that even if you so much as hate in your heart or lust in your heart, then you are guilty of breaking these commandments. Now, if you ask most people, and probably most of us here this morning, are you a good person, what would you say? 
Yes, I try, yes. Yeah, most of us say, yeah, I, I try, I haven't killed anybody <laughs> yet. Um, <laughs> however, where does it say, just be a good person and you can enter the kingdom of heaven? It doesn't say that. In Deuteronomy 5.29, it actually says, keep all my commands always. Now, I'm a really big fan of AFL football, and every year one player is voted the fairest and the best player and receives the Brownlow medal as their prize. But over the years, sometimes the best player with the most votes doesn't get the prize after all. Like this guy, Corey McKernan. There he is in full flight, a true true champion, and by all reports, a pretty good bloke to boot. Way back in 1996, McKernan polled equal highest votes and was therefore eligible to receive the best player reward and get the Brownlow. However, he made one mistake during the season. Whilst leaping for a mark, his opponent took the mark in front of him, fell down, he fell on top of him, dropped his knee into the back of the guy's head, and he was subsequently reported and suspended, and therefore he was ineligible to receive the Brownlow medal. Now, it was a pretty harsh ruling. He fell on the bloke in the heat of the contest, and he was punished for it. He was the best player by far, but he wasn't perfect. And so it is with us. We can be the best Christian of all, but none of us are perfect when it comes to God's law. So it's a false interpretation to say that any of us can perfectly obey God and earn or unlock his divine blessing and gain our way into heaven. None of us can be a super Christian because such a person doesn't actually exist. Now, it's still true that sin leads to suffering and eventually death, and obedience to God leads to joy and life. Let me elaborate on that. Sin leads to suffering, and obedience to God leads to joy. In John chapter 10, we read, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. However, it's not a divine formula that we can say, well, you're suffering because of your sin, or I'm successful in my life, my marriage, my career. I'm healthy because God has blessed me for my obedience as though somehow we have earned God's divine favour and others haven't. No, rather anything we have is the gracious gift of God. Not to mention the inconvenient truth that Jesus and his apostles taught and lived out that obedience can actually lead to suffering. The difference, of course, being that suffering for obedience leads to joy and life eternal, while suffering for sin leads to bitterness and death. The Apostle Peter went so far as to equate suffering for Christ with joy. In 1 Peter chapter 4 it says, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you. Rejoice as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Jesus also equates suffering with blessing. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. So in fact, over and over the New Testament, in the New Testament we see the obedience of the servants of God, including the suffering servant Jesus himself, being used by God to show his power to sustain and use the weak to keep people from becoming proud and to bring people to faith in God because when people see perseverance through suffering, it's a testimony to the reality of our faith. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 
I will boast about my weaknesses. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So like many things about the kingdom of heaven, it's the opposite of what we tend to believe. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees taught the people they could bring about the restoration of the kingdom to Israel by their zealous obedience of the law. But Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. That's from Matthew chapter 5. So Jesus' kingdom and the reward for his followers is heavenly and spiritual, not materialistic and earthly. Now, like the Israelites in the Old Testament who failed miserably to obey God's commands perfectly, we too have failed to obey God's commands perfectly. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, it is through the law that we become conscious of our sin. To put it another way, no one can perfectly keep the commandments of the law. The law's real purpose is to expose and to make us aware of just how sinful we really are. So what relevance do these Ten Commandments have to us today? Like I said, they show us how sinful we really are and that no one can perfectly keep them. So no one can rock up to the pearly gates and say, Here I am. I did it. I was perfect. Let me in. Hang on a second. There is one person who perfectly obeyed the commands of the law. Jesus. Jesus is the only person who has perfectly fulfilled the commands of the law and Jesus is the only one declared righteous before God by perfectly loving and obeying God. So then we could ask ourselves, if no one can perfectly obey the Ten Commandments and Jesus has perfectly fulfilled them, Are they relevant or useful to us today? What do we do with them? Well, yes, they are relevant. But there is one that has changed somewhat, and that is the Sabbath. The Sabbath, as it was given to Israel, is not a command for us today. Now, I realise that might seem a shocking statement to some of you, but let's examine it a little bit deeper. The Israelites were clearly commanded to keep the Sabbath, that is, Saturday, as part of their covenant with God at Mount Sinai. Now, Old Testament covenants follow a very similar pattern to that of other ancient Near Eastern covenants, in that they are an agreement between kings and conquered peoples. So they start with a discourse about what the conquering king has done, and therefore why he is to be obeyed, and what are the consequences or rewards uh, if he is not obeyed. So this is a covenant between God and Israel, made in consideration of what God has done for Israel in delivering them out of slavery in Egypt. They were to keep the the Sabbath as a reminder of this and as a foretaste of the promised rest they would find in the promised land of Canaan. However, the Israelites failed to perfectly obey the Sabbath and they didn't find the rest that they were promised from their enemies in the land of Canaan. So the Apostle Paul tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So for us, 
under a new covenant in Christ, the way to keep the Sabbath is by resting in Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, we tend to think of give you rest like lounging on the couch or having a holiday or something like that. But here Jesus isn't talking about this. Jesus is talking about the rest from our struggle, our striving to perfectly obey the law and instead resting in his grace. Jesus has completed the work of fulfilling the law and has now entered into God's rest and invites us to do the same. Not to ignore God's commands and live as we please, but to respond by loving and obeying God because of what Christ has done for us. Now, for the Israelites, the Sabbath was about more than rest. It also included honouring and worshipping God with special burnt offerings. Now, none of us keep burnt offerings on a Sabbath, thankfully, or even the Saturday as a Sabbath rest. But we can honour and obey God when we set aside weekly time to honour and worship him and to meet with his people as the New Testament, the new covenant which we are under, commands us to do. In Hebrews 10.25 it says, not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So we can do this when we meet on a Sunday like we are today, and it's good to do, and it's important, but we can also do it when we meet, for example, in our weekly prayer meetings or in our growth groups as well. And of course, a weekly day of rest is always a good thing, but it's not a command for us today. So my first big question, if you look at your outlines in the leaflet there, is are the Ten Commandments relevant to us? Yes, they are, but with one that has changed somewhat. And how are they relevant? Well, the Ten Commandments show us something of what God is like. So if we look through the first few commandments, we'll see something of the character of God. We see that God is supreme over all creation. and He alone is worthy of worship. We see that God is jealous for what is rightfully his our worship, and God is a judge who punishes the sins of those who hate him and his commands. God is loving towards those who obey him, and God is holy and therefore to be honoured. And the other thing the Ten Commandments show us about God is how to treat each other. Love your family, honour your father and mother. Do not murder each other, or even hate, as Jesus said. Do not commit adultery, or even lust after others, as Jesus said. And that really covers it all. We're to keep sexual expression within marriage. We're not to steal from each other, not to lie about each other, and not to be jealous of each other. And if we look at the command in verse 21, it really covers everything that one might be jealous about. So in summary, the Ten Commandments show us three very important things. They show us what God is like, that he is holy and perfect. They show us what we are like, We are sinful and less than perfect. We need these commands about how to treat each other because we naturally do, we naturally don't do these things. Now, most of you know I have two children. I have Caitlin and Brianna, who's almost three. Um, Now, I love her very dearly, but the other night I got home at dinner time and there she was having a screaming meltdown. Why? Because her mum had sent her to the corner for repeatedly not obeying her. Now, even at two, her natural reaction is to disobey and then scream and cry to try and get out of obedience. We're naturally rebellious, aren't we? And the third thing that the Ten Commandments show us is that they show us the way to fulfil God's commands, that is to love God and to love our neighbour perfectly. 
Jesus summed up the law when he said in Matthew chapter 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So if the Ten Commandments are relevant, and the way to keep them is to love God and our neighbour, and if God is a judge who punishes sin, well, aren't we all in serious trouble then, (laughs) since none of us are perfectly able to obey God's commands? Which leads me to my other big question today. How then can anyone truly love and obey God? Well, I believe the key is found right here in in Deuteronomy chapter 5. If we look at verse 6, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, trapped, sorry, were trapped in slavery. And in Exodus chapter 3, we read, I have indeed seen the misery of my people, this is the Lord speaking. I've heard them crying out. I am concerned about their suffering. I've come down to rescue them and to bring them out of that land. Now, did God say, my people have been perfectly keeping my commands and therefore I'm coming down to rescue them? No, he didn't. They didn't even have the commands yet. Before God gave the commands, while the Israelites were still enslaved in Egypt, God sent Moses to rescue the people out of his grace and his mercy. And he says, because I have chosen you, you didn't choose me, Because I have chosen you, because I have rescued you out of Egypt, now obey me. So here's the key to it all. The deeper lesson we learn about the character of God from the Ten Commandments is that God is a God of grace, mercy and love. See, God hasn't changed. (laughs) The Ten Commandments are just as relevant. And this is the key to how it all relates to us. God in his grace, mercy and love chose us while we were still slaves to our sin. And he sent his rescuer, his only son, Jesus, to save us from our sin. And now he says to us, love and obey me. So first God shows his grace, his love to the Israelites, and then he says, love and obey me. And first God says, shows his grace and his love to us. And then he says to us, love and obey me. So how can we truly love and obey God and actually live long and prosper? By trusting in God's rescuer, Jesus, the one who has rescued us from our disobedience, our failure to perfectly love and obey God, and by his death has graciously taken the punishment for our sin that we all rightly deserve and has sent his spirit to live in us and to give us the power to overcome all temptation. You see, there's another element to all this, and that is, unlike Israel, we have the command to obey God, but Jesus has also sent his spirit to help us in the task. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So we can put our faith in Jesus, the one who is declared righteous by perfectly keeping the law, and we can live long and prosper. Now, it may not necessarily be here and now, but in eternity we will. We may not have a long and prosperous life here, and we may not experience relief from suffering now, but instead we receive the joy that comes from perseverance and experiencing and experience the comforting presence of
of the Holy Spirit to get us through it. So we're not alone in this. And we eagerly await the return of our king to fully install his kingdom and to receive the blessings of eternal life and eternal reward. That is the key to what this world really needs today. This world needs to know what God has done for them through Jesus Christ, God's rescuer, and to respond to him in love and obedience. Then we can all truly receive his blessings and truly live long and prosper. Thank you. Uh, Peter's going to come and pray for us now. Thanks, Peter.